Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Shams of Tabriz was searching for his true friend, one who could withstand and understand his ecstatic religious experiences and his deepest soul. Shams wandered for many years, working as a mason and always acquiring students and admirers wherever he went. But he couldn't find his true friend. His constant prayer, a question, was, is there no friend for me? Finally, a voice answered, what will you give in return? Shams replied, my head. And the voice said, the one you seek is Jalal Adin. Luckily for Shams, this desire for a true friend was reciprocated. When Jalal Adin Rumi met his soul friend Shams, he thought to himself, what I had thought before as God, I met today in a human being. The pair spent months together in retreat to further their mystical understanding and cement their intimate friendship. Through their relationship with one another, Rumi and Shams grew closer to inhabiting the true love of God. At the time, Rumi was a popular teacher in the Persian city Konya in what is now modern Turkey. He had taken over the family madrasa as the school's leader in religious scholarship, mystical spirituality, and community teaching. In those days, Rumi's region was beset from the west by a series of Christian crusades and from the east by Genghis Khan's advancing armies. But Rumi's teachings always focused on love, how it feels, how to cultivate more of it, how to celebrate the human experience of loving in joy and in sorrow. Rumi's teachings were widely treasured as they continue to be today. Over those years, Rumi and Sham spent a lot of time together, and rumor has it that some of Rumi's students felt neglected. And then one day, Shams disappeared. Rumor has it that he was murdered by one of Rumi's students, perhaps even one of Rumi's own sons. In this way, it is said, Shams did give his head in return for his true friend. It was in that time of grief that Rumi began to whirl, a spiritual spinning cosmos dance still practiced by Sufi whirling dervishes today. As he spun, Rumi spoke poetry, intimate poetry about his yearning for his friend, who he eventually realized was also God and who was also inside of himself. The Rumi did not stop whirling or speaking poetry. 
He rediscovered his connection, his unity with Shams and with God again and again in his own soul. Coleman Barks writes, their friendship is a universe they inhabit. Instead of being connected by love, they are the living atmosphere of love. Here is a poem Rumi wrote for Shams and God and love. Love is not condescension, never that, nor books, nor any marking on paper, nor what people say of each other. Love is a tree with branches reaching into eternity and roots set deep in eternity and no trunk. Have you seen it? The mind cannot, your desiring cannot. The longing you feel for this love comes from inside of you. When you become the friend, your longing will be as the man in the ocean who holds on to a piece of wood. Eventually, wood, man, and ocean become one swaying being. Shams Tabriz, the secret of God. All one in the unity of love. When Rumi says loving God is the only pleasure, he means this quite broadly. Love for God, love for the children of God, and love for the self are really all facets of the same great love. What hurts the soul? To live without tasting the water of its own essence. That essence is love. The God we're told to love is a loving God, not the kind of loving that says, I love you, but, or I'd love you more if. No, this love seeks true relationship with us, between us, within us. Rumi tells us of his own direct experience with that God of love, that knowing that God is love and how it nourishes the soul. This means that standing on the side of love is standing on the side of the divine, asking the creative spirit of life and love to stay with us in moments of uncertainty. An everyday relationship with God helps us choose acts of love every day. When we know God well, we can recognize the divine call. Rumi writes, Nearness and kinship are assertions, but the sound of a voice is not. The delight a friend feels when he hears a friend's voice brings all that matters. I envision this kinship like when old siblings or friends or partners have certain shared ways they gesture or tell stories or laugh. The pair resemble each other, trust each other, can recognize each other even from a distance though they remain unique people. Rumi calls for us to have such a relationship with the divine so that we then may begin to embody the traits of love. For Rumi, the divine could take many forms in our hearts and in our everyday interactions, making it easier for us to have relationships with it. In Islamic tradition, one does not create images of God because no production 
can capture the unknowable visage of the holy. Any image held onto too tightly is a false icon. In this way, we are free to envision God in any image most helpful and healing to us, and the divine is free to come to us in any form most helpful and healing. I'm reminded of our Unitarian transcendentalist ancestors like Margaret Fuller and Ralph Waldo Emerson, who experienced God in everyday creation. How can the holy be loving and lovable to each of us? As a parent, a child, a friend, a partner, an animal, a tree, ourselves, an emptiness. Rumi had his own ways of awakening to the imminent divine presence without and within. In our chalice lighting reading, Rumi suggests the quiet of the night for conquering doubts and awakening clarity. Darkness and the living water are lovers, he writes. Let them stay up together. Rumi sought quiet refuge from the bustling of everyday living. But the quiet night was not the only time he practiced reaching outward and inward to God. He was a scholar, a teacher, a poet, a dancer, a child, a parent, and a friend. He communed with the God within and without in artistic expression and his deep soul friendship with Shams. Rumi believed that anything could be the food of divine love, given enough attention on our part. How will we find God in our everyday lives, especially when we may be unsure what or who God is? Going to church most Sundays is a good start to our relationship with the divine, but to develop a stronger relationship, we must start with clearing more space for the loving God. We don't need to reinvent the religious wheel. The Christian season of Lent just began on Wednesday, and many people around the world are giving up or taking up a habit for Lent. One way to explain this practice is that a person gives up what causes estrangement from the holy or takes up what brings her closer to it. This is what Jesus did in, in the biblical account that is the basis for the Lenten season. Wandering for 40 days in the desert, Jesus chose to cling to his relationship to God instead of giving in to temptation from the devil. Seattle-based author and teacher Waverly Fitzgerald writes, the 40 days of Lent are a significant period. 40 is a magical number which recurs throughout the Bible Noah floated in his ark for 40 days and nights. The chosen people wandered in the desert for 40 years. Jonah led the citizens of Nineveh through 40 days of penance. But 40 is also a magical number in other ways. It takes six weeks to break a habit or establish a new routine. Six weeks times seven days equals 42 days, almost exactly the same time period as Lent. Lent is the time for making auspicious changes. Let us use this season wisely. 
Like Rumi, we can find paths towards stronger relationship with the divine by remaining mindful of the moments in our life that take our breath away with love and awe, the awareness of the holy. Like any growing and healthy relationship, hopefully most of the time we'll enjoy and be excited by being with God. Each of us will have our own way of connecting to the God that is particular to our taste and our souls. And we have the next 40 days to try out some different methods. I think about what electrified our universalist Unitarian and Unitarian Universalist ancestors. Clara Barton and Disaster Relief, Henry David Thoreau and Nature, Francis Harper and Poetry, David Eaton and Sacred Activism, James Luther Adams, and Tea with Conversation. This is how our ancestors connected to and experienced the divine. One of the moments when you think to yourself, wow, there must be something greater somewhere. Do you all still have your paper heart with you? Hold them up so I can see them. There we go, this is like Christmas Eve. Oh, that looks great. Now I'm gonna tell you what we're gonna do with those. Take some time during our services, silent reflection and anthem to mull over this question. To better stand on the side of love, how will the divine and I become more loving and lovable to one another? To better stand on the side of love, how will the divine and I become more loving and lovable to one another? When the anthem has finished, write a word or a sentence or draw an image of what has come to mind on your paper heart. The ushers will collect your hearts during the offertory, and our children will make beautiful art from our spiritual intentions. To better stand on the side of love, how will the divine and I become more loving and lovable to one another? For all of us, there is a great friend, a great comforter, a great love available to us in the divine presence. We needn't give our heads, only our hearts. Love boldly, my friends. It is the only pleasure. Blessed be and amen.